glad that you're with us. Welcome to the Village Church. Our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Um, one of the things we do at the Village Church to worship is to give tithes and offerings. Um, so you can give to the mission of our church either online or you can mail a check to the church. There is um, the address on, um, on our website or um, you can see me after and I can give you the address. Um, we have some announcements this morning. Um, this is day eight of our 25 days of prayer and fasting. We're doing this to in, intentionally seek the Lord and what his will is for us and our church and for him to move in powerful ways this year in our church. So um, if you are jumping in on day eight, that's okay. Just come on in and join us with our, our prayer and fasting. Um, we would love that. Um, Sunday the 21st, we're going to celebrate communion together. And then at 6 p.m., we're going to have church cares training. So um, please come and join us for that. And then Sunday, January 28th, um, we'll have a congregational meeting after the worship service to present the 2024 budget. And um, we will have village kids to stay and play. So um, one special announcement that we have is the chili cook-off is coming in, um, yeah, February 11th. And there's a flock note with a sign-up sheet. So if you can um, get in there and sign up. Our pastor has won for several years, I think, and it's time for him to be uprooted. So if you have a good chili I sure hope that you sign up and uh, maybe even do some, like, you know, testing of it and asking of advice and let's get it down so we can give him some, you know, run for his money this year. I tried last year with my white chicken chili and it got second place. So we, we need another entry to come in there and try to knock him down a notch or two, okay? <laughs> All right, so we're so glad y'all are with us this morning. We would like you to uh, take a second and greet each other and say hey and um, get to know maybe somebody you haven't seen in a while. You can, you can get up. You can get out of your seat. You can shake a hand, hug a neck, or bump an elbow. Well, like I said earlier, we're so glad that you're here. Um, I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then we will get started with the rest of our service. Lord, you are good. We love you so much. And we thank you for our body here. Um, we bring all these different giftings that we have and personalities that we have and different families that we come from. There's so many differences here, and it is so beautiful to be together. And so we, we thank you for our church family, and we thank you for the gifts you've given us um, just individually, and we, we come to worship you together today. In your name, and with great love to you, in Jesus, we love you so much. Amen. Good morning, church. Good morning. I am new to you all. My name is 
Yasmin. I'm super excited to do worship with you, Sister Paul. Um, as we start the service, I want to sing this song, Jesus at the Center. This is the time for us to gather our hearts and put them at the center of every situation, every problem that we have. God is so good, and we have to remember that, and we have to remind ourselves. We have to be more like him each and every day. I hope you enjoy the song. Sing together. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. And from beginning to the end, it will always be. sing that again, Jesus. And Jesus at the center of it all. Oh, Jesus at the center of it all. And from beginning, from beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been Cause nothing else matters And nothing in this world will do Oh, cause Jesus, you're the From my heart to the heavens, and Jesus be the center, it's all about you, yes, it's all about you. And from my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center, it's all about you, yes,
Jesus at the center of it all. Amen. Will y'all please stand for the call to worship. Taken from Psalm 47. I would do the leader part, and if you can respond with the congregational part. Praise the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. We have gathered to praise our gracious God. Let us continue to praise our God and King. As we give God praise, I want us to give our hands and clap our hands together as we sing. Every praise is to our God. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Every word of worship is one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, and to our God. Glory hallelujah is to our God. Every praise, every praise, every Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship with one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Lift your voice and sing. Sing hallelujah and to our God. Glory hallelujah is to our God. Every
Y'all can be seated. Like we just sang every praise, let's just spend a couple of moments just in, in silence, just meditating on our God and praising Him. Father, you are just so good to us. As we come into this place, as we enter into your very presence by the blood of Jesus through a new and living way, through the veil that is Jesus' body, we praise you, Heavenly Father. We praise you that you are compassionate, slow to anger, gracious, abounding in loving kindness. You forgive iniquity, transgression, sin. Your loving kindness indeed never cease. For your compassions, they never fail. They are new. Every morning, we praise you, O Father. As far as east is from the west, so far our transgressions removed from us. But we know that this removal of our transgressions came at such a great cost. Our sins placed on the head of Jesus. And he went to the cross for us. And now, like Abraham, you have imputed your righteousness to us so that we can be in a relationship with you. Father, help us to comprehend what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of God, which surpasses all understanding. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our confession of faith comes from the Apostles' Creed. Um, I'll ask the question and you will answer. Do you believe in Jesus, the Son of God? I believe in Jesus, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended to heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. Amen. Just wanna praise you forever and ever. Praise you, church, and ever for all 
Scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 6, verses, oh, I lost my place, verses 7 through 9. Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. Now here's the word of God to his beloved. And this is Jesus speaking. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Prayer supplication is time for us to come and pray into the sufferings of the world and also a time for us to pray you know, for those in our life. So please join me as I go to the Lord now in prayers of supplication. Father God, we come and bring to you the the felt needs of our congregation. Uh, you know we have uh, folks that are in the hospital. We know we have families that are out with the flu. And so we just pray, Lord, for healing over uh, our sick and shut-ins that you have mercy over uh, over our family members that are not doing well. I pray for those who are traveling, those who are dealing with emotional stress, financial stress. I pray for blessings over their life. I pray also for the storms that are coming in, that you will give us safety. Definitely pray for those who are in homelessness, that they will find shelter. Lord, the temperature is going to drop, and it's going to be really cold. And so I pray for those individuals, that they will find shelter. 
uh, in in this cold weather. I pray, Lord, for uh, just as we continue this 25 days of prayer and fasting, that that each of us will see this as our own spiritual journey to draw closer to to your heart, to to to, to rest in in who you are as Father. And so I pray that that each of us will approach this time as a time of of, uh, that where we can grow spiritually, where our faith can grow, where we can trust you with practical and mundane things of life and, and knowing, Lord, that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So, Father, you have been faithful. You have been good. You have provided for us. And so I pray as we continue this service and as we move into another week that we will leave this place confident in who you are and assured of who we are in Christ. And in Christ we are beloved. Beloved daughters and beloved sons. It's in Christ's name that I pray. As we sing this song, I ask that you meditate on the words and be in the center of Jesus, Lord. Reflect how good God is and how he's been in your life. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me in all my days. I've been held in your hand from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. I will sing of the goodness of God.
the goodness of God. Do you believe he's good? Do you believe it? Or is it just words in a song that we really don't believe? But our God is good, and all the time he's good. Amen. This is the eighth day, TBC Saints and guests, of our 25 days of prayer and fasting. And, and I hope everyone is enjoying the journey at your own pace. This is not a race, so it's, for your own, it's at your own pace. And, and keep in mind that this time is a, is a time for us to intentionally seek God, our Trinitarian God, in prayer. And to believe he'll move in powerful ways uh, in 2024. Who remembers our motto for this spiritual journey? Yes. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to start. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to start. And so I want us to keep that motto in mind as we work our way through uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 9 today. The sermon title is Prayer That Works. Prayer That Works. And the main idea is this. Prayer that works is reliant, relational, and reverent. Prayer that works is reliant. Prayer that works is relational. Prayer that works is reverent. So please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, as we come to the preaching of the word, I pray that you will move in mighty ways, that you will continue to move in our service, that each of us will receive from the message what we need to receive. If it's encouragement, encouragement. If it's hope, it's hope. If it's a rebuking, a rebuking. If it's correction, it's correction. So you know us better than we know ourselves. You know our hearts better than we know our own hearts. And so I pray as our counselor, as our helper, as the one who lives in all Christians supernaturally, the one who is responsible to lead us into all truth, the one who is responsible to help us understand Scripture. Will you give each of us what we need today? Minister to to us corporately and minister to us as individual believers. It's in Christ's name I pray. Do Christians have a monopoly on prayer? Is prayer a unique spiritual practice for Christians only? Prayer is universal. Believers from other religions, religious traditions, practice prayer. Even some atheists practice prayer. How about that? One philosophy, one, one, philosophy, one philosophy professor says, for the atheists, such as myself, there is no great chance that God is listening or will respond. But that does not matter. No One does not need to believe in God for prayer to work. Prayer, is for the, prayer for the atheists can be singing in the car or in the shower. No one is listening, and that's just fine. Is it really just fine? Does prayer actually work even if no one is listening? Jesus knows the answer to those questions. 
And he even knows that, that prayer is, is a universal spiritual practice. That's why he makes a distinction in today's sermon text. He distinguishes the prayers of Christians from the prayers of non-Christians, if you believe that. Non-Christians are people who do not have saving faith in Christ. And Christians are people who do. People who depend upon Jesus alone for salvation as he is offered to us in the gospel. They trust him as their Lord and Savior. And according to Romans 4.24, Jesus was delivered up on the cross for our trespasses and he was raised for our justification. Do you believe that? If you are a Christian, then your prayers are different from the prayers of non-Christians. How are our prayers different? First, Jesus answers that question in the negative. He, he prohibits his people from praying like Gentiles. Christians don't pray like pagans pray. They don't follow, they follow their prayer formula or style or format. Look at verse 7. Jesus here is speaking to his disciples. And, and again, in Matthew 6, it's still, it's still part of the Sermon on the Mount. So remember, the Sermon on the Mount is just one big sermon. So Matthew 6 is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And in verse 7, Jesus says, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. People who worship idols, according to Christ, they, they heap up repetitive, empty phrases over and over and over again. Praying lengthy and, and wordy prayers that become senseless babble. They assume the format of their prayer is the reason the prayer is heard by their God. It's up to them to make prayer work. It's up to them to get the attention of their deity. So they have to say the right words over and over again. They have to be in the right physical position. They have to have the right prayer technique and style. Because it's all up to them to make the prayers work. In 1 Kings 18, this is what the prophets of El do on Mount Carmel. Who's familiar with, who knows what happened in 1 Kings 18? They cried to Baal from early in the morning until noon, begging and pleading with him to come down and to light the fire. They shouted, they danced, they even cut themselves in order to get Baal's attention. Did he ever come down on Mount Carmel? Did he ever respond to his own prophet? as they begged and as they pleaded, as they danced and as they shouted, as they hurt them, hurt themselves, did he ever respond to them? No. No. He never responded. Prayer, like faith, is dependent upon a source. Do I need to pull out the sign? Prayer, like faith, is dependent upon a source. The source of one's faith makes the difference. And the one whom you pray to 
makes the difference as well. If the source of a person's prayers is worthless, then so are the prayers offered up. Prayer that works is reliant. It's reliant upon having the right source to make it work. It's dependent upon that source. And here's the thing, y'all. Meditation and breathing technique, they relieve stress. They clear your mind and your emotions, but they'll never heal the deepest need of your soul. Never. Your, the deep needs of your soul will remain restless until it finds rest in Jesus. You can breathe all you want to breathe. You can meditate all you want to meditate. Until your soul finds rest in Christ, it's going to remain restless. He is the way to everlasting life and everlasting rest. And he is extending his hands out to everyone. And he wants you to receive him as Lord and Savior. And he wants to cover all of your sins, past present and future because of the blood that he shed on Calvary for your sins and he wants to forgive you he wants to reconcile you to God the Father so right now you can take hold of his hand surrender and submit your whole life to him because at the end of the day you're either a Christian or non-Christian at the end of the day and when you stand before your maker eventually we all will all he's going to know is, did you know my son? Did you know my son? Not tell him your resume of all your good deeds. All he want to know is, did you trust in the one who was perfect? And that is my son. I don't want your resume. I don't want your good works. The only works that matter is what my son did on Calvary. So when you stand before him, all he's going to ask you, did you know him? Did you know him? So when you do come to faith in Christ, then your prayers won't fall on silent ears. They will be heard and they will be answered. Do you believe that? For prayer that works is 100% reliant on our Trinitarian God. Period. Not praying the right words. Not having the right prayer technique or format. Not a secret prayer language. Not praying with your eyes open and your eyes closed. Not praying on your knees or laying down or standing up. Not praying in your prayer closet. Not praying alone or in a group. Prayer that works isn't reliant upon the Christian saying, Father God, over and over and over again. It's reliant upon who he is. God makes prayer work for the Christians, regardless of their age, their nationality, their denomination, their gender, their ethnicity, their economic status. He makes it work for them so that when we pray, we, we can pray with confidence. The late Coretta Scott King once said, prayer is how we open our hearts to God. Think about that. Prayer is how we open our hearts to God, how we make that vital connection that empowers us to overcome overwhelming obstacles and become instruments of God's will 
she says, I'm more convinced than ever before that prayer gives us strength and, and hope and a sense of divine companionship as we struggle for justice and righteousness. Her words are fact. No cap, no lie. Prayer gives us strength, hope, and a sense of divine compassion, and it's fully dependent on our God. Prayer that works is reliant on who he is, and it's relational. Prayer that works is also relational. You see, Christians offer prayers in a, re- in a relationship that changes them. Look at verses 8 and 9 with me. Jesus says, Do not be like the Gentiles, for your Father already knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Think about the the implications of of His words. A, A Father is a person. Okay? And one of my seminary professors says to be a person implies the, compatib- the, uh, the capability of being in a relationship with others. As a father, God is both personal and relational. Okay? Think about the Godhead. Think about the Trinity. There's, there's a relationship within the Trinity. There's a relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so when it comes to God and the crown of his creation, who is the crown of God's creation? Mankind is. And so as the crown of his creation, there's a certain relationship he wants with the crown of his creation. It's a personal relationship. It's an intimate relationship. It's a parental relationship. He wants to be our good, good father. What emotions does that truth awaken inside of your soul? To think about the creator of the universe wants to be your Abba Father, your dad. Is it joy, pain? Is it fear? Is it peace? What is it? In Christ, All Christians are adopted into God's family. We are adopted in through our faith in Christ. That means we're no longer orphans. We are now sons and daughters of a good king and a good father. Do you believe that? Right now, in this side of heaven, you can have a relationship with God that is close, that is intimate, that is loving, that is hopeful, that is enduring, that gives you joy, that gives you peace. You can have that type of relationship with him. Do you believe that? Adoption means that you, as Christians, you, you, have a, you have a right to all the privileges of God's beloved sons and daughters. And you don't have to beg for them. Right now, say out loud, I'm God's beloved. Now look at your neighbor and tell them, you're God's beloved. Okay? You are God's beloved child before you're anything else for him. Okay? 
What comes in front of your sonship and daughtership? Nothing should. Pastors should not come in front of mine. Spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend should not come in front of it. Ministers should not come in front of it. Worship leaders should not come in front of it. Elder diggers should not come in front of it. All those things are secondary to your sonship and daughtership. You are God's child first. And everything that you do for him flows out of that. That gives you joy. If Think about this. If all you do was work for God, that's not, that's not relationship. You just work for him. One of the things Mark Stearns told me early on when, I, when he, Mark Stearns is the director, used to be the, is the, is the creator of Lincoln Village Ministries. And when he brought me on early on, he said one, in, his, one, in one of his uh, devotional times, he would say he was crying out to Jesus. He said, Jesus, all I do is work for you. I don't know. And sometimes when you're in church forever and when you're in ministry and when you're in leadership, you end up working more for Jesus than knowing him. And so what he wants you to do, he wants you to know him more than you work for him. Because when you're knowing him, that, that's where the joy comes from. That's where that love comes from. That's where that intimacy comes from. And your work for him flows out of that. Do you love, do you, are you working for him more than you're knowing him? If you are, then your life is out of order. And that's why you have no joy in your Christian life. In one, in one, of, certain, in one of the Gospels, Jesus said on that last day, many are going to say to me, Lord, I did this in your name. I did that in your name. I did this in your name. And what, what, is he, what did he say he's going to tell those people? I never knew you. I never knew you. And so right now, that means on this side of glory, in the imperfections of life, you can know God. It don't have to be perfect. It just has to start. You can know him. Jesus wants to know you, all of you. Will you let him? Will we let him? We approach God in prayer like a child approaches a good parent. We, we, and our approach looks like, looks like Hebrews 4.16. It says, let us then with confidence draw near the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. When you are living like a child of God, Hebrews 4.16 becomes your reality. I come with confidence. I can prayerfully go to the throne of grace with confidence these 25 days of prayer and fasting because God is my Father. Your Father who already knows what you need before you ask Him. Come on, man. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen? Like, let that reflect upon your heart. You mean... Even before I ask, he already knows what I need. He already knows. If that is true, that means he already knows what you need to flourish this year. He already knows everything you need to flourish this year. 
He knows what your marriage needs. He knows what your relationships need. He knows what your career needs. He knows what your health needs. That doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect, but it means he will be there to see you through. And for you young people, I know you haven't lived life long. That same truth applies to you. God knows what you already need. And sometimes that ain't the things we want. There's a difference between a need and a want. God always gives us what we need. He hardly ever gives us what we really, really, what we want. But he always gives us what we need. So this truth means that God the Father is completely in tune and in rhythm with all of his kids. He, he's completely in tune with you. All of his people for all time. Think about how, how big that. That means every Christian around the world, God already knows everything that all of us need, even before we ask him, yes. Yes, he does. He's, that means when it comes to his fatherhood, he is, an, he is an involved father. He's present in the home. He's emotionally available and he's physically available to you. Prayer shows our dependency upon God. When we're praying, it's us waving that, that white flag of surrender before him. Because if you don't pray, when you don't bend your hearts in prayer, that's saying, I got this. Prayer comes from a heart that's humble, a heart that knows I need more than just my resources. I need more than just my giftedness. I need more than just my connections. I need my Father. I need the Spirit. So when your prayer is you surrendering the well-being and the flourishing of your life to Him daily. Prayer is surrender, not an ATM. Is surrender to the will of God for our life. In prayer, we say what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. Now, I got to tell you, his will going to be done. But some of us got to learn the hard way because we're hard-headed. But either way, his will going to be done. You can either embrace it on the front end but eventually, if you're a Christian, you're going to embrace it. You will embrace it. Good parents. So TBC thinks against prayer that works is, is, is reliant, it's relational, and it's also reverent. Prayer that works is reverent. That means it's God-fearing and it's respectful. Good parents strive to have a healthy, personal, and intimate relationship with their kids. They try to support their kids with their dreams and their ideas. Even if it means staying up late, baking, or you know, playing outside, throwing the football when it's cold. So they try their best to support their kids. But here's the thing. The intimacy and support of their kids should not come at the expense of their kids' respect for them as their parents or guardians. Your relationship with your kids should not sacrifice your role in their life as parent. You are not your kid's best friend. You are their parent. The same is true in our relationship with God the Father. You see, he's personal, he's relational, he can be known, but he's also majestic. 
Jesus tells us, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our God is imminent, that means he's close, but he's also transcendent, means he's other than, he's different from us. God is close to us, yet he's far away from us too. He's close and he's beyond all human beings. He's the sovereign creator and Lord of the universe. You see, human beings, we are limited in everything. We're limited by space, time, knowledge, power, and ability. I don't care how smart you are, you still have limitations. We are finite creatures with many limitations, but our God, on the other hand, has no limits. He's infinite. All-powerful, all-knowing. He exists outside of our world and time. He's imminent, but he also transcends everything. This means... God can be known personally and relationally, but he can never be fully comprehended. My my brain would literally explode if I I, I actually saw God in his fullness. And what did he tell Moses in the burning bush? No man can see me and live. Come on, son. No. Paul says in Romans, Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How impossible it is for us to understand his ways. So the only reason we can know God personally is because he allows us to. He condescends to us. The word hallowed be your name reminds us that there's a great level of reverence. We must show our Heavenly Father. That's what that means. To hallow means to put some respect on his name. It's to treat it as holy. To honor and exalt him as God. We hallow his name in prayer by praising him for who he is and, and thanking him for what he does. Psalm 77 says, Your way, O Lord, O God, is holy. Your way, O God, is holy. Why? Because God himself in his character is holy. Holy. Now, here's a question I have for us. Whose name is hallowed in your life? Whose name is hallowed in your life? Yeah, we say Jesus. But on the street level of life, in the mundane of life, is it really Jesus? Is it your name? Is it someone else or something else? Here's one thing we need to know about our God. He loves us. He even let his son die on the cross for us. But there is one thing he would not yield to his sons and daughters. Do you know what that is? His glory. Oh, he's stingy when it comes to his glory. He wants all the praise. He wants all the credit. He wants all the reverence. He wants all the devotion because of who he is. So Psalm 115 says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and faithfulness. It should be, it should bring us joy. 
You know how a parent, when you see your child succeed, it brings a smile on your face? When our God is glorified, we should have that same smile. Seeing our God glorified, it should bring us joy. When he gets the credit, when he gets the honor. One theologian says, we do not live in intimacy with God in a way that destroys our reverence for him. We do not live in intimacy with God in ways that destroy our reverence for him. Nor should we live before him in ways that destroy intimacy with him either. Intimacy with God and reverence for God go together in our prayer life, and they go together in the way that we live our life for him. So my encouragement to myself and to us is is that as we leave this place today, live in intimacy with God and live in reverence for him. He's your father, but he's also your God who is in heaven and is both and. And as you pray this week, know that prayer that works is 100% reliant upon who he is. So Pray in the shower, pray in the car, pray when you're going to bed. Just know it's not falling on silent ears. He receives your prayers. He hears your prayers. He will answer your prayers. Sometimes with a no, and so sometimes with a yes, but he will answer them. And also know that prayer that works is also relational. You are praying in prayers in a context of relation of a relationship that changes you. So prayer is how you commune and spend time and fellowship with Jesus. It's communion. And prayer that works is reverence. It means it's respectful. It comes with a sense of awe because we're coming into the presence of the one who spoke all of this into existence. So reliant, relational, reverence. That's the kind of prayer that works. And in Christ, all Christians pray prayers that work. So let's make use of it. Let us pray. Father God, thank you that you are a good and wonderful God. Thank you that as those of us who have made a decision of faith, those who have come to you in faith, that when we pray, Those prayers are heard and received. And so I pray as we move out into the world this week, we will move out with greater confidence and assurance of who you are. So thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, I pray for all this in Christ's name. Amen. Not so fast, not so fast. (laughs) No, I'm not. No, 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 no. You don't want to hear that. 
Yeah, we're doing something a little different today after the sermon here, so we're a little out of, con- out of joint. Actually, we're going to have a time of confession now. Let's see if it's going to come up on the screen here. There it is. Okay. This is from Psalm 130, and I'll say, speak as the leader, and you can speak as the congregation. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you so that you may be revered. Let's spend a, just a couple of moments in uh, silent reflection uh, on our sins. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right, as you enjoy the sermon, I want you to all stand up and give thanks to the Lord for all give thanks.
Now here's the Lord's uh, benediction to his beloveds. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. And the Lord be with you all and all God's people say. Amen. Amen. Please greet one another, saints.